Welcome to the Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast with Ruth Haley Barton. In this season of the podcast, Ruth invites leaders with diverse callings and expertise to dialogue and explore how spiritual transformation intersects with some of the most significant topics of our time. Well, welcome, friends, to another episode of Ruth and Friends, Spiritual Transformation And. And in this um, podcast series, we are actually talking with friends, people that I would consider to be friends, colleagues, uh, people that have helped me in my thinking, that encourage me in my thinking around specific aspects of spiritual transformation. And today, I have the privilege of speaking with David Wills, who is President Emeritus of the National Christian Foundation, and Todd Harper, who is President of Generous Giving. And our topic today is spiritual transformation and money. And I love that we're talking about money during Lent, because one of the practices that's traditionally associated with Lent is almsgiving. But in Matthew 6, that kicks off the Lenten season on Ash Wednesday, Jesus is actually teaching about the heart stance behind our almsgiving, making sure that we don't, you know, make a big deal out of it when we give. Uh, But then it concludes the passage in Matthew 6, verse 19, by talking about the fact that where your treasure is, there will your heart be also, which means that this topic of money and our posture in giving and our willingness to be generous actually has a whole lot to do with our spiritual transformation. And as we were getting ready to enter into this conversation, we acknowledged to each other that money is one of those topics we almost feel like we shouldn't talk about very much. We all have many feelings and experiences with money. It feels like an intimate topic. And so our prayer in this podcast episode is that we would create a safe space to reflect on our relationship with money, to invite Jesus into our relationship with money in a transforming way, and also towards the end to look at generosity as a practice that helps us to surrender ourselves to God in a very specific area of our life together. So to begin with, I would like for Todd and David to introduce themselves to us. Why don't we start with you, David? Tell us who you are. Tell us your journey uh, to this role that you have in the National Christian Foundation and just a little bit about your journey um, as it has to do with money. Well, thank you, Ruth. Uh, To say it's a privilege to be on this podcast with you is an understatement. Mm. Um, You know, we're all hopefully blessed to have mentors in our lives. Some of them are face-to-face and some of them are in a distance, and you are definitely one of my mentors from afar. Mm. But you've been close, too. I mean, we have. I failed to mention that you and Todd have both completed a transforming community experience, which is how our friendship and our journey in community was solidified, and, and I value that so very highly. Yeah, it was a life-changing experience for Todd and I both, and I bet that will come up again before we're done. Mm-hmm. Good, um, good. Yes, I got into the I'm – a, I'm a tax lawyer by training, but I got into the generosity space in 1992 uh, and have been working with families from that time. I've been with the, the National Christian Foundation for – I don't even know how long mm-hmm. – over 20 years. Wow. Um, and uh, was privileged to be the first president and second full-time employee at NCF. Uh, And so um, we have been on an amazing journey to see God work through literally tens of thousands of families uh, and helping them with the intersection, if you will, of Mm -hmm. what we're talking about today. Uh, And I'll kind of segue over to Todd for you because uh, uh, Todd and I began our relationship in college um, Mm -hmm. and then – were involved at Generous Giving as well. And so I'll let Todd introduce himself as well. 
Yeah, thank you, David. Um, one of the joys of doing ministry is doing it with lifelong friends. Mm -hmm. And David and I have been friends for 35 years. Um, and David's story, actually, he enters my story on a day, literally on a day in which I had a conversation with God where basically he reminded me of Jesus's words in Matthew 6, 24, that you can't serve both God and money. Mm -hmm. And I was a first year college student, very much pursuing a, a career path oriented around financial success. And we were on a retreat together and the Lord intersected my journey. Uh, and that was a day, a significant day for me and in, in saying, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll follow your path, not my path. Um, I got up from the field that I was kind of meeting with the Lord in and went over and met David for mm. the first time. And uh, when the student is ready, we, the teacher will appear or something like that, right? <laughs> there he is popping up out of a field. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, but our work at Generous Giving is really to invite people into the freedom, purpose, and joy found in a transforming relationship with God and money. Mm, excellent. And so this is a place of deep passion. Uh, but it comes out of a place of deep need in my own life yes. and really reorienting around my life, around pursuing God and not not money. Um, and in some ways, it was, for me, repenting of the love of money and walking into this new way of relating uh, with God, surrendered and open-handed to whatever he wanted for my life, as opposed to what I perceived the world had to offer in in my pursuit of that. And so that's this is significant for me in my personal journey. Wow. Well, um, what I appreciate about both of you is that you have a story connected with this topic. This isn't some just random idea that you embraced, but that you both have a story with money. And I think that's true for all of us, isn't it? That we all have a story with money um, and how we've been shaped to think about money, how we've experienced it, uh, feelings that we have about money, and that it seems like where we might even begin with talking about the subject of money is where you all have begun, begun and that is with our own story about money. Um, because money is a hard thing to talk about in our culture, and yeah. it means different things to different people, and we've all had our own experiences that have shaped us. Um, in fact, uh, I mentioned the book Lynn, from, from Lynn Twist, The Soul of Money, and she says that we all have an identifiable, although largely unconscious and unexamined relationship with money that shapes our experiences of life and our deepest feelings about ourselves and others. And I'm really glad to be starting with our stories. I think that's the right place to start. Um, I, too, have a story with money. I'm a pastor's kid, and so money was always scarce. Um, and in fact, money was almost a shameful topic. We just didn't talk about it. And uh, I never knew what the financial arrangements were for my dad in ministry. He would go off and preach someplace for a week and would have no idea what they would compensate him, how they would compensate him. Um, we, and it's funny to say this now, but we really did live at poverty level, given how we were supported. As uh, my dad being a pastor in full-time ministry, I didn't realize it then, but I realize it now, looking back. And I realized that I actually had feelings of shame around money. I had a hard time talking mm -hmm. about it. So being at the helm of a nonprofit means that part of my transformational journey 
has meant that I've had to get more comfortable talking about something I don't like to talk about. So that said, I do think it's a beautiful and wonderful thing to keep tying our ideas about money back to our stories. So I have my story. You guys have your stories. And how God has, like you said, Todd, intersected our stories and drawn us or invited us into a more conscious relationship with money and into a journey of discovering what it means to open this part of our lives to God. So I'm really thrilled that we can continue this conversation as people who have been on a significant journey together in community. So let me ask you this. What are the connections each of you see between our journey with money and our overall journey of spiritual transformation? How have you experienced this particular aspect of your lives as being significant to your transformational journey? Well, I'll jump in first. Um, Really, the intersection of the transformational journey and money is really how generous giving got started. (laughs) There are three questions that people that are serious about their giving that they constantly are asking and answering. Why should I be generous? How do I do it? Where should I give? And really the why question is the most transformative question. Yes. Uh, It is a hard question. And so Todd and myself and a couple of other guys got together, what, 20 years ago, something like that, and um, decided that that was not only maybe the most important question, but also the most exponentially impacting question. Uh, And as Todd mentioned, we we kind of got into this because of our own need for being liberated from the love of money. I mean, it's just in where we live. It's just the way it's the natural flow of things. And so spiritual formation and the intersection of, of money is, is really at the, at the very core of where generosity comes from. Yes. So. And as you talk about that, we, the way that you're speaking about it indicates that it's a cross, it's a countercultural journey you're working um, at, in the opposite direction of most of the people around you as it has to do with money, as from what I hear, I'm hearing you say. That is correct. How do you want to elaborate? Yeah, I, I would say just to share a little bit of my background pre-college. I grew up in a suburban Chicago family, upper middle class. Uh, and I always had this fascination with money. I was one of five kids and I kind of had it. Uh, more than any of my siblings for whatever reason. And as I look back on my childhood, one of the interesting things is that my fascination or love of money in my devout Christian family was actually never challenged. It It was kind of celebrated because I was this entrepreneurial, hardworking, materialistic young man that, and I'm not saying they celebrated my materialism, but there was this, it wasn't connected to my spiritual transformation. And it was really Jesus's teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, where, you know, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Um, and I think I think that's the heart of Jesus's teaching around money is that this is fundamentally connected to you know our affections, my affections for the things of the world over the things of God. But it wasn't. Again, I was in a very strong Christian family, but that 
notion wasn't challenged. And I think that it is countercultural to my point. Well, and your yes, and, and that's, yeah. yes, that's what I'm hearing in your comments is that um, it's even possible to be good Christian, a good Christian family and sort of put money over here as being very separate from our spirituality and keep them disconnected. And actually, in the way you're dealing with money, to actually be applauding what we could consider to be secular cultural values while at the same time yeah yeah that's absolutely Christians. right todd and i grew up in kind of similar environments but i will tell you i grew up as a very greedy person in a very generous home uh, i i won the parent lottery i have absolutely mm. incredible parents who are extravagantly generous and they have been my mm. whole life and uh I don't know if it was just teenage rebellion or just the American dream that just kind of sucked me into the normal way of thinking about money. And, mm-hmm. um, and it steals your joy, um, really. And so it yeah. took quite a few years for me to really begin to kind of break that bondage and be liberated from that. So in the first, um, you talked about, David, you talked in the first move that you were describing in your work, um, it, it has to do with shifting your perspective on money. How do you work with people? How do you work with people in the kinds of dynamics that you've just described for the two of you? Yeah, one of the most effective ways to work with people is to take folks that have experienced uh, the abundant life of being extravagantly generous mm-hmm. and start to connect them with other people. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and so it's a really, it's kind of a testimony environment where one peer will encourage and challenge another peer. So Todd and I are constantly getting people into rooms together or even on phone calls together or in meetings together that have experienced this liberation so that they can share it with others. It's actually very contagious. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even though it's not instinctive, it is very contagious. And so we spend a lot of our time doing exactly that um, and then helping them in executing on their desire to become more generous and kind of just being their friend, yeah. walking alongside them, encouraging. Um, and it's just, it's, it's magnificent. It's an incredible opportunity. So it sounds like you're setting up and, and facilitating conversation about this topic that many of us don't ever talk about, <laughs> and, That's right. you know, and making it comfortable, yeah. making it safe uh, to, to talk about it. Yeah. There's almost an, an evangelistic aspect to generosity. Uh, when you when you catch it and uh, it becomes a, a vital part of your life, it's something that you really want others to experience. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and so it's not hard uh, typically to get folks to want to engage around this. It's kind of like being set free. Mm-hmm. If you're set free, people, you want to tell others yes. to be, how you can be set free. And so uh, that's a big part of what we do is help facilitate those conversations yeah. and those experiences. It sounds like for yeah, both I, of you. Oh, go ahead, Todd, and then I'll ask a follow up. I was just going to say that I would simplify maybe some of what David say, said to say what we really do is tell stories mm-hmm. and ask questions. Yeah. And that's how conversations get stimulated. Uh, and I, I like to say that I've never met an unhappy, generous person. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the contagious nature that Davis, David was referring to, yes. um, as people experience others who are giving their lives away for the sake of others in Jesus' name, it's very, very compelling yeah. and contagious. So what are some of the questions 
What are some of the questions that you, you say you tell stories? We've done a little bit of that here, and I hope we'll tell even a little bit more. But what are some of the questions that are helpful in those conversations as we think about the, the, really our, the transformation of our relationship with money to a place of generosity? Well, I'll just jump into one. It's that key first question. Why are you being generous? Yes. Um, what is it that motivates you from a heart standpoint? We have a friend that says this, as thunder follows lightning, generosity follows grace. Mm -hmm. And uh, folks that start to ask that question and they start to learn that, wow, it's, it's really grace that should beget my generosity and around and around it goes. So the questions kind of center around in many ways, it is a spiritual formation environment that we're really talking about yeah. with people. Uh, it's like, uh, I kind of look at it like, at, like a river flowing and as, as I'm abiding in Christ, as folks that we're interacting with abide in Christ, they, we love God more completely and on our, ourselves correctly. And then we start to love others more mm -hmm. compassionately. Yeah. So it's like a river. And, if it, and the more that's flowing, that spiritual formation is flowing in our lives, the more generosity just spills over the edges of the riverbank, if you will. Right. Um, and so it's, it's all very, very interrelated. Um, and as we interact with people, they start to see through God's word, God's generosity is just extravagant, right. it's just incredible. Right. And then that begets generosity in their lives. Mm -hmm. Well, we talk about um, spiritual transformation as being the process by which Christ is formed in us for the glory of God, uh, for the abundance of our own lives and for the sake of others. And I'm hearing all of that in how you're talking about generosity, that if, if the heart, the nature, the spirit of Jesus Christ is being formed in us, then it is going to be a generous spirit. If we're not experiencing generosity, there's probably something a little off in our journey of transformation mm -hmm. if we're still clinging to money um, as the place where our security comes from or we can't seem to just, you know, open it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah I, I think a foundational biblical passage for our work is the parable of the four soils. Mm -hmm. And we're probably somewhat familiar with that. But the third soil is the one that I think we deal with the most in our, our community of, of Christ followers in a very affluent culture. And Jesus said, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, mm -hmm. making it unfruitful. And none of us want to be that third soil, right? We want to, I mean, if we're listening to this podcast, mm -hmm. we want to be the fourth soil, yes. mm -hmm. right? We want to be fruitful, abundant, Jesus-loving people. Uh, and yet, I think there's a subtle temptation, allure, competition of the world that if that was relevant 2,000 years ago when Jesus said that, how much more relevant is it today in our kind of ultra affluent Western society? Um, and I, I think people long to be right. that fruitful fourth soil. And this is a pathway um, to mm -hmm. really generosity is a, yeah. is a pathway to breaking the power of money in our lives. Well, generosity and abundance yes. are completely mm -hmm. correlated, uh, and so um, as we are, as we desire to live um, the abundant life, that just speaks of generosity. Just um, because that abundance is 
from within us to others. So that's mm-hmm. just, it's a natural thing. Um, but it's clearly a, a, a way that the, the evil one likes to kind of cut that off. Uh, you know, I would put generosity in the category of being a spiritual practice. And one of the things I think is interesting about some spiritual practices is that we might think of doing something for others within the practice, but the truth is God is doing something good in us. So we feel like we're doing something good for others. We're doing it because God has called us to do it. There's something in our spirituality that motivates us to do something for others, but at the same time, God is using that very same practice to form something good in us. It's like there's two sides of the same coin. Yes, it's good for others when we're able to be generous, but God is doing something good in us as well. So one of the things I hear you saying is that the good thing that God is doing through the practice of generosity is breaking the bondage of money in our lives, especially in affluent cultures where financial prosperity and spirituality almost seem to be married at times in really uncomfortable ways, especially in our Western culture. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I I think this is the primary stronghold in our day and age. I have a friend who's a pastor who's was talking to me about different church ages and you can go back and, you know, we can see slavery or various other social issues that like, how'd the church miss that? Right. Um, and it's his contention that this age of the pursuit of evermore, we're going to look back if God tarries at this history of of the church and say how do we how do we miss that so significantly i'm sure that's debatable but there's no doubt that this message of bigger better faster makes you happy mm-hmm. is so prevalent in our in our culture and in our church yes it's fake news it's what it's fake news. Yes. <laughs> it, it's not real. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's a facade. <laughs> um, oh, well, I um, I read an article once, and I was so riveted by just the title. You know how some articles or books are, are wonderful just because of the title, and even if you didn't read them, the title would be so <laughs> evocative that it w- would be worth worth it just for the title alone. And it's from the Christian Century in September of 2009. The cover article is, God Doesn't Love Your 401K and Other Hard Truths. <laughs> and that cool. is that would be almost blasphemy in our culture, right? Because oh, we, yeah. we you know we've come to believe that that's ab- absolutely essential for our security. So one of the quotes that he has in the article is that he says that the greatest obstacle to faith in our time may be that most of us are too invested in securing our own futures to trust Jesus for the good life He wants to give us now. It's not that we want to reject Jesus. Most of us want more than anything to trust God's abundance, but we are constantly dazzled by earthly treasures and their promise to make the world safe and enjoyable for us. And so, you know, as I think about spiritual transformation and money, we've already referred to some of the important biblical um, references to this, you know, you can't serve God and money. Um, where your treasure is, there will your heart. And and I would say your soul, your heart and your soul is used interchangeably in the New mm-hmm. Testament. And it's Jesus talking. And so the soul is the place where God is present to us, the most authentic part of who we are. Where your treasure is, there will your, you know, your real self be also. Yeah. Um, and then I think that in terms of formation, our relationship to money surfaces where we are trusting or to whom, what we're trusting, you know, to whom we are giving our trust. Um, 
And so let's talk about that for a minute. Let's talk about trust, how our, how our relationship with money reveals who and what we're trusting. Can I reference yeah. another passage mm-hmm. in answer yes. to that question? Um, 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19 says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to place their hope in wealth. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which is so uncertain. Yes. But to put their hope Mm -hmm. in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment, Mm -hmm. command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Mm -hmm. In this way, they will lay up for themselves a firm foundation, treasures in heaven, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly Mm -hmm. life. That which is life indeed, capital L, yes. Just speaks so, mm-hmm. so directly mm-hmm. to the reality of how easy it is when we have earthly wealth to place our trust mm-hmm. in it instead of God, who is the giver of good gifts. But money is not, I mean, it's like Paul's saying to Timothy, tell them not to place their hope in wealth because it's stupid mm-hmm. to place <laughs> yes. our hope in wealth. Yeah. Right. Um God's the only one that we ought place our hope yeah. in and our trust in. But it's so easy when we have more right. um, to place our hope right. in it. And we can actually probably convince ourselves that we're trusting in God. But the truth is, on some level, if we're not being generous, it means we're clinging to material wealth in order to f- we're actually trusting it for our future and trusting it for our basic security and our well-being, which would be over and against a life that is surrendered to God, total and utter surrender to God for our beings, for our life and for our beings. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm very blessed to have a, a spouse because I'm not an instinctively generous person. I appreciate you admitting I'm that. It's a struggle for me, but I'm married to someone that it is not a struggle for mm-hmm. at all. Um, and, you know, in part, I know that God has brought her into my life to help complete me because I am not sufficient uh, left to myself. Um, I would miss out on so much joy, so much abundance, so much freedom, so much fun um, because I'm married to someone who, when I start to get greedy, mm-hmm. which is my mm-hmm. instinct, uh, she counters it two, three, four X. Yes. I mean, it's a constant lesson that I'm living with. <laughs> That's right. And um, and so it's it's and we need people around us that are mm-hmm. like that, uh, whether it's a spouse or someone else, a mentor or a peer who really challenges um, us to go beyond. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So let's, we'll come back. I want to come back around to, to generosity as it has to do with those who have material wealth. But can we kind of change the lens a little bit right now and talk about money as it has to do with people who experience themselves to be without? What is a healthy practice for those who feel that they don't have enough? How do we get in a right relationship with money when it feels like there's not enough and basic human needs perhaps are not being met? Maybe we don't even know where the next uh, resources are coming from for basic human well-being. 
How do we talk about money and generosity with folks who are in a profoundly different situation than what we've been discussing here today? What does the practice of generosity look like for people who are having that experience? Well, the interesting thing is that all of the statistics and much of my life experience would show that those who have a lack are often the most generous. Um, so it's 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 interesting. I mean, my most profound travel experience was going to Africa and being with people who literally didn't know in many yes. cases where their next meal was coming from. And yet they would open-handedly share whatever they had with me in the, in the moment. And uh, so it's, I think it's less of a struggle mm -hmm. for those who have less. I think, and there's, we could explore reasons why, but I, mm -hmm. I think there's, a freedom yeah. when there's a dependence kind of on God every day and mm -hmm. they're yeah. surrounded by need, uh, that they're, they're prone yeah. to respond mm -hmm. to those around them with needs. And they're also more willing to receive. Uh, and so I think there's, there's actually some bondage for those of us who might be in this category that, that Paul was writing to Timothy about the rich of this, you know, present age, which is, which is, are, are a lot of us, right? I mean, rich is an interesting definition in and of itself. Right, right. And in the book I mentioned uh, earlier, The Soul of Money, um, she actually couples the word economic poverty rather than just using the word poverty by itself, because there are more, there is more than one kind of poverty, right? And those of us who have are often impoverished in all sorts of different ways that we don't, we're not even aware of. Um, and there's a kind of richness that those who don't have a lot materially um, actually that seems to come very naturally to them, that the richness of being generous, as you said, and uh, relying on community and relying on um, a, a deeper level of surrender and trust than maybe we're even accustomed to because we do rely on money probably more than we think we do um, to, yeah. to know where our security lies which is um, part of what needs to be confronted, I think, in the transformational journey. Yeah, so Ruth, um, I, have, I have two children. Uh, I have seven children, but two of them uh, are visually impaired. And so they have lived a life in different ways where they have had to be dependent, um, much more so than my other kids. Um, and there is just something about being in a state of knowing that you need to depend on others in different ways that helps you to be more dependent on God in all ways. Uh, they, they both walk with Jesus in a way that I don't. Uh, it's just their lifestyle. It's the way they live. Uh, and so they are both very generous, very frugal. Um, and, um, and there's just tremendous joy in that as well. So, yeah. What is the growing edge for both of you in your own journey of transformation as it has to do with money? I'll give you both a chance to respond. Mm -hmm. uh, I typically move way too fast and I don't, I don't spend the time, you know, even in just literal silence and solitude, but just kind of in a peaceful way of living life. And when I am living in a peaceful way, I, I see his generosity in ways that I just simply miss it mm -hmm. when I'm moving too fast and there's too much noise. So that's one of the things that I'm really pressing into is trying to 
diminish that noise, diminish mm-hmm. that pace, and really soak in just how incredible his generosity is mm-hmm. toward me and those that I love. So. Yeah, and to allow that to be formed in you, Absolutely. continue to be formed in you more and more yes. deeply. What about you, Todd? Yeah, I think David already mentioned this relative to his own journey, but for me, it it always seems like a good idea to save a little extra money. Mm-hmm. Uh, to salt away for the future and why wouldn't I do that? And so I'm always wrestling with holding open-handedly what God has trusted mm-hmm. to me and really yeah. trusting him as opposed to anything else. Um, and so that's part of why it's so important for me to stay in this journey. I need to be around other people who are spurring me on mm-hmm. to love and good deeds. And I'm inspired by people who are living open-handedly and disadvantaging themselves for the advantage of others. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I know that's where life is found. And when I experience that and I live into that, I experience God's abundance. Uh, and yet it's, it's very easy for me to default back to the cultural message of bigger, better, faster makes you happy. Yes, yeah. yes. So I, it, it, I I know that we're identifying generosity as the practice related to money that has the opportunity to open us up to the transforming work of God. We talk about the fact that spiritual practices, all of them by their very nature, when they are practiced rightly, they are means of surrender, right? Um, and so generosity would be the spiritual practice that opens us to the transforming work of God and even beyond our control that we can't we can't transform ourselves but generosity can be an actual practice that opens space for God to transform us so that's the the practice that we want to offer and and I also believe though that some of us have big work to do around the issue of money and maybe you guys can comment on this as well that that we need to to confront the challenges. What are the, what are the challenges that keep me from being generous? What are my fears around money and and maybe giving too much of it? Do I have any type of addiction or um, inordinate attachment to money? Do I have any remorse or regrets or hurts or even feelings of shame around money? That that there's also some work that we can all do to to identify what are our obstacles to keep us from surrendering ourselves. So in Romans 12, 1, where it talks about, um, you know, sacrificing, giving, you know, offering our bodies as a living sacrifice to God daily, weekly, whatever, seems to me like the, the practice of writing the check or putting the money, you know, yeah. um, in the place where it could make a difference would actually be um, that life-changing practice. Do you all have any other specific uh, practices within the general practice of generosity that you've found to be transformative in your own lives? Generosity just, is a very big umbrella. Yeah, I'll just mention one uh, kind of caveat that relates to you just listed a whole litany of questions that, mm-hmm. that, that we need to wrestle with. One of the things that we are finding more and more valuable is to not only wrestle with those questions personally, but wrestle with those questions as families. Oh, amen. Uh, yes. There is, there is a, you know, this, this issue of money, uh, and you actually heard Todd and we told our stories that our families are very important to those, that's those stories. Mm-hmm. And so um, really starting to help multi-generationally engaged families process through this issue because the, the family is central uh, in, in tackling the issue that we're talking about today. Right. 
And that strikes me as being so healthy because I think money is one of those topics that in many families it is taboo. Oh, yeah. You just you just don't talk about it. That's so it correct. sounds like in your ministry, you're actually guiding families to have healthy conversations about something that could remain rather yes. hidden and outside consciousness, outside conversations. You're just bringing it right on into the center. I'm not sure it's rather hidden. It's entirely hidden. Yeah, entirely hidden. Yeah, I was trying to be nice. I was <laughs> yes, trying to are. soften it a little that. bit. Um, <laughs> but I hear that in what you're saying, and it makes me really excited about the work that you do to think that you're guiding families to a greater sense of openness and transparency around issues of money that are typically um, not acknowledged at all. It's beautiful. Yeah, I think in our transformational experiences where a lot of this work gets done, one of our opening questions that as we introduce ourselves in small groups is to answer the question, Uh, What's a memory, a significant memory from before the age of 12 that influenced your view of money or giving? And it's it's amazing the responses that that we hear, but it's it's going to this issue of we all have different tapes or influences from our life experience, our family, and we tend not to think about how significant those influences are in our ongoing spiritual journey. Right. Uh, so, so reflecting on some of those things in safe places with safe people can be a very, very transformative experience for people. Oh yes, yeah. And I think that we. All, I want to make sure that we're there. We're seeing amazing stories of people who are are being liberated and experiencing joy. Uh, like never before. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's actually an, an incredible time to be uh, working with folks on this topic of spiritual formation and money. It's, it's a very, very exciting time. Yeah. So um, there's conversations to be had. We're talking about having conversations, getting touch, getting in touch with memories, um, being willing to look at the obstacles openly and honestly the obstacles that keep us from generosity, looking at where our attachments and our addictions are. Um, and then is, is there anything else then that helps that, that you give to guide people in thinking about generosity in their own life as a practice? Well, I'll say this because Todd probably won't bring it up, but there is actually an experience that we've created called a journey of generosity that uh, anywhere from 12 to 16 people can go on Um it's a facilitated 24-hour experience that uh, clearly is a door-opening, heart-expanding experience on this exact topic, where we're asking these questions that you're talking about and others uh, in a very safe place with peers. Um, and uh, so that's that's been, and you can learn more about that if you track with generous giving, that's where you can learn more about that. How do you know when you're giving enough for it to be transformational? You know, the there's everything from the widow's mite to the tithe. Um, how do you help people discern whether their giving is is at a is transformational? Because we all know that the story in Acts five, which I find to be an extremely sobering story, was when Ananias and Sapphira sold their property and they pretended to the disciples that they were being generous when they weren't. And I've always believed that that. That, that they were struck dead, not because they chose to give only part of the proceeds from their property, but 
they were struck dead because they were dishonest with the community about their generosity. Do you agree with that take on that story? I do. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so how, how do we know when we're yeah. pretending and when we're really giving at a level that's transformative and honest and full of faith? And how do you know when enough's enough? Well, I, I'm going to answer the first part of your question. I'll let Todd take the second mm-hmm. part of your question. Yeah. But, but you, it's almost one of those things that you know it when you experience it. And if you're mm-hmm. experiencing Good. love, joy, peace, Mm-hmm. patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. If, if, you're, if you're doing something that's generous and that's what you experience back, then you're doing it right. Yeah. And you just, then you know you're not being miserly. And, yep. so, and, and you, you probably will want to take a further step the next time and mm-hmm. a further step the next time because, I mean, the, 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 abundance, the abundant life that Christ has for us is beyond our wildest imagination. We've never mm-hmm. fully tapped into it. And so, um, but that's when you see, when you sense the fruit of the spirit coming alive in your life, you you're on track. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, uh, Ruth, fundamentally, most people approach this question around giving as what I ought to do or what Mm -hmm. we ought to do. And I think the work that we've really focused on, on doing together is to flip that switch from ought to, to get to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, w- it's a when it becomes a get to, mm-hmm. you quit asking the question, how much ought I mm-hmm. give? And mm-hmm. I, we start asking, how much can we give? Right. Yeah. And so the yes. question shifts to how much should we keep mm-hmm. as, to, as opposed to how much should we give? And that, yeah. that's a fundamentally mm-hmm. different question. Right. It is. Yes. And it forms something different in you when you give in that spirit. Yes. Wonderful. Well, this has been uh, just a great conversation and very stimulating. And I'm really grateful that we could offer this to our podcast listeners. And we do like to end, first of all, by identifying practices, which we've done already, that generosity is the practice that opens us up to God's transforming work as it has to do with our money. We also know that some of us have psychological work to do, some remembering to do, some redeeming of those memories, conversations to have with our families. But to even, as a practice, bring this out as an open conversation with spouses, with families, in our communities that we gather with, um, to actually introduce this as a topic that we could all talk about together. And how is God transforming us um, as it has to do with our relationship with money? And how are we going against culture? Because in all the stories that we've shared here today, this topic of all the topics causes us to move against our culture and the way that our culture views money. So we're going to have to be countercultural, I think, in order to move into deeper and deeper levels of generosity. I'd like to close. We also like to close with a prayer that will help us to reflect just a little bit. And um, this year, as we um, sent out our thank yous for people who included us in their year-end giving, um, I just felt led to pray, to get inside of a prayer, to inhabit a prayer, to offer a prayer that would help us all to celebrate what God is doing in our lives as we choose to be generous, um, what it does in our lives as we choose to be generous, and also how God builds his kingdom based on our willingness to be generous towards good causes. So I'm going to close with that prayer because it speaks to me about where I am, where I want to be, 
um, what I want to thank God for, what I want to keep praying about as it has to do with generosity. And, and because of the timing of our recording here, many people are getting their year-end statements, their year-end year reports about the giving that they've done. And I hope we can celebrate what God is doing in and through our generosity and also what God wants to do as we continue to find new ways to open um, through deeper expressions of our generosity. So let's become quiet together, uh, come in touch with the Spirit of God deep within, and listen in that center of our being where God is present to us, where God is at work speaking to us about the deep things. And perhaps this prayer will articulate something that's on our hearts today as well in response to this podcast session. We thank you, God, that when we give to you rather than spending more on ourselves, we fulfill the trust you have placed in us by blessing us with so much. You have blessed us with life, strength, intelligence, abilities, and resources, and we thank you for your call to give you joy by being generous to, to, to you and to others. We thank you for the blessing of having the resources that you've given and for works and ministries that inspire us to give. We're grateful that as we are generous, we grow in love towards you and to others. We delight that we are able to give. We delight in what our giving buys and what it doesn't buy when we refuse to keep it to ourselves. We love giving to you and your work, O oh God. We thank you that you give us the opportunity to partner with you in your kingdom work. May we continue to deepen our practice of generosity so that we will love and trust you even more. For your glory, for the abundance of our own lives, and for the sake of others. Amen. Amen. On behalf of Ruth and the entire Transforming Center staff, thank you so much for listening. We're currently accepting applications for our next Transforming Community Spiritual Formation Experience for Christian Leaders. You can learn more by visiting transformingcenter.org TC. This podcast is a ministry of the Transforming Center and is made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. If you've enjoyed Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast, please leave us a review and rate us on iTunes or wherever you listen. You can also become a partner of the podcast and get exclusive benefits by visiting transformingcenter.org slash patron. During Lent, all new patrons will receive a digital version of Ruth's popular resource, Lent, A Season of Returning, which includes a guided reflection for each week of Lent so that you can experience Lent as a season of transformation. Again, learn more by visiting transformingcenter.org slash patron. Thanks so much for your support and for listening to Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership.